anybody, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, the Lord Jesus invites everyone to come and to know his grace and to know what it is to be reconciled to your heavenly Father. We are in the middle, actually we're in week two of a series that will take us through the summer on prayer. And in particular, we are following the Lord's Prayer and the call that Scripture gives to us uh, to pray and to know God as our Heavenly Father. If you recall, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And this is what he taught them. We last week look at, looked at what it meant to pray to God as our Father. This week, looking at what it means to pray, hallowed be your name. Each of these petitions of the Lord's Prayer being part of a a framework, not mindless repetition, but part of a framework, part of cues in terms of categories of things that he is teaching us to pray for. So this week we are focusing on what does it mean to hallow God's name. We're going to turn our attention to Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. We're going to focus on 9 through 11, but we're going to enter in at verse 5. The Apostle Paul writes this, "'Have this mind among yourselves,' which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, And has bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we pray, hallowed be your name, this is what we're praying for. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we pray that you would teach us that we would teach us to know you more deeply. You would teach us what it means to hallow your name, and by knowing your name, we would know you more closely, and that that would fill us with joy in our lives. We pray all this in your name. Amen. What is in a name? I don't know how much, you know, in our own names, it's a name that was given to you. It carries your reputation. How much is your name in particular worth? I don't know. Maybe not that much. But when the name's something like the Coca-Cola Company, that shifts dramatically. In fact, I mean, what is the Coca-Cola name? Coca-Cola is the most recognizable brand in the world. And surely, this image is just simply red script letters that signifies a brown, fizzy, sugary beverage, right? That's all that that is. Yeah, not at all. In fact, the Coca-Cola company is currently estimated to be worth $57.3 billion, and they list among their assets that their trademark name is close to half of their total worth as a company. And so, with Coca-Cola... The most valuable asset that they have is their name. In fact, the president of Coca-Cola said that if they lost all of their material assets, 
if their buildings were destroyed, if their factories were destroyed, if all of their vehicles were destroyed, and all of their vending machines were destroyed, Coca-Cola would very soon reemerge and rebuild itself from the ruins as long as the Coca-Cola trademark name survived. However, he said if they lost the name, it would be a loss that would be irreparable and it would damage the country beyond what they could be, be than what they could repair. That the Coca-Cola name, I mean, it is what makes a Coca-Cola a Coca-Cola, right? I mean, that if there is a brown fizzy substance that did not come out of a Coca-Cola bottle or out of a Coca-Cola dispenser, even if somehow someone managed to get the magic secret recipe of Coca-Cola, it would not be a Coca-Cola if it didn't have the Coca-Cola name attributed to it. That all that the company is, is embodied in this name. It's actually somewhere similar to the biblical concept of how names work. In Scripture, names identified, they were inseparable from a person. They, were, they represented the totality, all of who that person was. And so you see an example of this in Ruth, where Ruth says, um, in the book of Ruth, where Naomi, whose name meant pleasant, says, Call me Mara, because my life has been bitter. This is who I am. It represents all of those who they are. So when it comes to prayer, and that is our particular focus... Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, hallowed be your name. That is how we are to pray. And in calling us to pray, if you remember, there was a prohibition that God had given in the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments was, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. On the flip side, what are we to do? We are to pray that God's name would be hallowed and that it would expand and expand to the ends of the earth. Now let me ask you, how concerned is the Coca-Cola company for the advance of their name? How concerned are they that their name and the Coca-Cola name would expand to the ends of the earth? How concerned are they if anyone infringes upon the name or distorts it or applies it to some brown liquid that was not coming out of a Coca-Cola factory. How concerned are they? Incredibly. In fact, they have a huge multi-million dollar department that is focused on trademark infringement, right? Who their whole job is to go around and to to prosecute anyone that would distort the Coca-Cola name. If this is true for a business, how much more is the God of heaven and earth concerned for his name? So what does it mean When Jesus says to us and teaches us that we are to hallow his name. First off, what hallowing means is that hallowing means it means to adore God. Look down here at the end of the verse. It says what happens is that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does it mean to hallow, to adore, to promote the glory of God? It means to be captivated with the awe and wonder of who God is. To hallow his name, you know, we use that terms like the hallowed halls of Valhalla or the, the hallowed halls of the NFL Hall of Fame, right? It's, it's, it's a term that is used to ascribe glory, ascribe respect, all, awe and wonder, to, to, to ascribe sacredness. And for us to hallow God's name means that we are acknowledging that life is about something that is so much vastly bigger and so much more beautiful than our own little worlds. Now, he teaches us to say, 
hallow the name of God, to praise his name. Now I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to distinguish what it means to hallow from what it means to give thanks. And certainly it is good to give thanks to thanks in God. There are many psalms that call us to give thanksgiving. But I want us to understand that thanksgiving is not the same as adoration. Giving thanks to God is not the same as hallowing. Of course we should do it, but they're not the same. And I think it's difficult for us to understand the difference. I think an evidence would be is that almost every public prayer gathering that I have been in across Southern Maryland, across our country, and even across our globe, when there's a time where people say, or the leader says, hey, let's have an open time of giving praise to God, almost within a couple sentences, somebody turns it into Thanksgiving, right? I just want to thank you for what you, I want to thank you for what you've done to me. And so I'm going to give an example here, not to diminish the importance of Thanksgiving and how that is good and right, but just to distinguish it from hollowing and giving adoration. So imagine that you are an employee of the Coca-Cola company. And you are at an employee meeting where they've gathered everyone together, and they say, you know what, you have all gathered together, and we just want to share, you some of the gr- share with you some of the great things that have happened with the Coca-Cola company this year. Good news is that the Coca-Cola name and brand has expanded, Coca-Cola has increased, and Pepsi has decreased. And everybody says, boo, Pepsi, right? Everyone's, everyone's down on Pepsi. Not only that, but we have grown and have increased market share in some of the most difficult markets in the globe. An employee raises his hand and says, can I ask a question? He's like, yeah, sure, what is it? I just want to thank you that you have changed your benefit program this year. Like, you updated the benefits and you've got great benefits this year. Thanks, great. That's, that's, that's really good to hear. We were talking about the global reach and the global expansion of Coke. We weren't just talking about your employee benefit pro- program. So let's, let, let's continue. We want to highlight how Coca-Cola, you know, we had the typhoon in Southeast Asia. It destroyed the entire community. But the way that we responded, we were able to turn our soda factory into a water factory. And we distributed, you know, 10 billion cans of water to the people who didn't have water. Excuse me, I've got a question. I just want to, I just want to let you know, I, I am so thankful that you renovated the second floor bathrooms. I mean, because, like, they were so outdated, and, you know, we can, we can put so many more people through the bathrooms, and the way that you changed the decor, like, I just really feel at home when you did it this way. Thank you, thank you so much. Right? Here's the difference, is that adoration, hallowing, focuses on the glory of who God is for who God is. It focuses on the wonder and renown of what God is doing across the globe and on the infinite mercy, justice, love, grace of his character and who he is. And thanksgiving, generally, when we give it, and we should give it abundantly and unceasingly and unanewing, generally focuses on our own little world and focuses on the issues in our our own lives. And so what happens is we start to pray, you know, God, we give you praise for who you are and for what you are doing. But what about over here? What about me? And I'm just, just talking about me. Hey, God, let's, you know, I want to hallow your name. But let, let's, just, let's just think about you and me and my life and my little world. And what God is saying to us, is he's saying, no, we're calling you to adore God's name for who he is. This is what we are praying for. Malachi gives a description of this. For from the rising of the sun to its setting... My name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered in my name. 
and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. This is what we are praying for when we say, Father, hallow your name. May it expand. May it be glorious. May all people come to know you and come to worship you and come to revere and honor and ascribe glory and honor to your name. So hallowing adores God. What he teaches us to do is because hallowing is necessary, and it's necessary for us. Verse 10 identifies where we are going as humankind. God has highly exalted him, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The day is coming when everyone will acknowledge the lordship and supremacy of Jesus Christ. What is most needed is for his name to expand and for more people to acknowledge who he is as the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of all and the King of all ages. What is most needed in our own individual lives is for the name and renown of God to expand for his glory to fill the earth. It is necessary for us. Again, imagine this time that you are a, maybe an employee but also a shareholder in the Coca-Cola company. What is most needed for your well-being? What's most needed in your career? Well, what you most need if you work for Coke and you're a shareholder is you need Coke to explode across the globe, right? You need Coca-Cola to expand because your well-being, your, your future, your advancement, your career opportunities, your year-end bonus is tied to the advance and success of the name of Coca-Cola expanding, expanding across the globe. Similarly, as Christians, your success, your well-being, your future is tied directly to the advance and spread of Jesus' name and his lordship over all of the earth. I mean, consider this. What is most needed in the divisions within our country? What is most needed in the tensions of racism and hatred, of people living for themselves and tribes living for themselves? What is most needed is for people to acknowledge that they're not Lord, but that Jesus Christ is, and to live for him and to honor him in all of their life. What does this world need? Well, we celebrated at Christmas time that the Prince of Peace would come. That the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, that he would come and bring peace to this earth. That his peace would extend to the ends of the earth. What is most needed in your own life and in your own family? It's for Jesus Christ to be exalted in every area of your life. For his name to be honored and hallowed and glorified in every area of your life. That you would live for his name. It is most necessary. This is actually one of the key reasons why I committed my life to Jesus Christ. Is that for a long time, I was living my life to build up my name. I was living my life to make a name for myself. And I found the way that I would make a name for myself was by being, by being successful, by being successful in school, maybe by beating everybody else, by being, by being number one, by working hard in order to give myself a name. 
And in my relationships, I would want a name there too, is that I'd want to be known that I was, a, I was a good friend. I wasn't like the bad friends. I was a better friend than other people. And in every sphere of my life, I was living for my reputation and living to build up my name. But here's the struggle in the midst of doing that, is that the struggle comes is that you look around and there is always someone who is better. There is always someone who was on the next rung up of the ladder. There is always someone who has a greater, more significant name. And the result is that you either become proud and conceited, actually not or, but you become proud and conceited, and you also become critical and condemning of people who you think that their name doesn't quite measure up to yours, and you become bitter and envious of people who have a better name than you, particularly if you think that they got their name illegitimately. And for many years, I, I called myself a Christian because it served my name well. It helped me look better in certain circles. And there are many, many people who call themselves Christians who do exactly that. There are many people, there are many spouses who call themselves Christians because it builds their name up in the eyes of their spouse. Yet, when it's not convenient, when that doesn't work in another setting, you just immediately quickly, disc- quickly discard that. Do you know what living to build a name for yourself is called? It's called misery. Right? It, I mean, constantly waking up, constantly trying to have to measure yourself, constantly comparing yourselves to other people, constantly wondering what other people think about you, worried about whether or not you're going to dislodge, trying to find your security in what other people think of you, or what you think of you, or what you think other people think of you. A- awakening each day with a daily question and insecurity of whether or not your name is good enough to get regard and renown. Now, there's some of you that are on the opposite side of the spectrum. Is that your struggle is not so much that you're concerned about maintaining your name and reputation, but your struggle is, is that you feel that you don't have one. Is that you feel insignificant, you feel worthless, that you feel that you're not worth anything, that your name doesn't count for anything and no one would pay any, no one would pay any attention to it. Whichever side of this that you are on, whether trying to live to build your name or despairing because you don't like your name or what your name signifies, wherever you are, Jesus is calling to you and what he's saying to you is, you don't have to play this game anymore. You don't have to play the game of awakening to the misery of trying to compare yourself and trying to prove yourself. And he invites you to live to build up his name, the name that is above every name, instead of your own, and to live with his name upon you. And what happens is that when you do that, Jesus says to you, listen, your life now has meaning. Like there is a new freedom and a new protection that you have a new status and a new joy because you now live for and bear the name of Jesus Christ. And that is what he is calling yourself to, calling you to. So if you're here this morning and you're, and you're not a Christian, or you are one who is a Christian in, in name only, what Jesus is teaching us and inviting you to do is to magnify the name of Jesus and be set free from the misery of living for the name of you. 
hallowing is necessary. Hallowing also calls us to lift our eyes from ourselves. Number nine uses this position, verse nine uses this positional language. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. God has lifted him up that we would lift him up. C.S. Lewis writes in Mere Christianity, I'm going to give you two different reflections here. He writes, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And what hollowing does is it invites us to lift our head. It invites us to lift our eyes. Paul Tripp describes the significance of this. He says, your little world filled with your little plans is not ultimate. And prayer teaches you that there is a greater glory than any glory you could ever want for yourself. Prayer is meaning to help you remember that the deepest, most important motivation for every person who has ever taken a breath is the awe of God. This deep and abiding recognition of the grandeur of the glory of God is meant to shape and direct everything in my life. Everything that I do and every request that I make of God is to be done in recognition that everything exists, including me, for his glory. And then he identifies the challenge. He says, this reality rips a hole in my heart and exposes what is there. Because I don't really want to live for a greater glory. What I really want is for the people, places, and things in my life to serve the glory of my comfort and my satisfaction. I'm the type of person that my mind is always spinning. Um, there are always a thousand different things that are going on in my head at the exact same time. And when Jesus teaches me to pray, Father, hallowed be your name, helps me to realize that I, I need to hollow God so that I lift up my eyes outside of my world. I need to hollow so that I remember whose world this is. So that I remember who this world revolves around. I need to hollow so that I remember who is in control and who is ultimate. I need to hollow God's name so that I remember whose I am. And who my heavenly Father is. And Jesus teaches us to hollow because we need to lift our eyes. Finally, we'll look at this morning, is that hollowing adores God, hollowing is necessary, hollowing lifts our eyes, and finally, hollowing clarifies our loyalty. Look at verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, the name that is above your name and the name that is above my name, the name that is above the person who I want their attention and their admiration. He is the name that is above every name, and hollowing clarifies 
our loyalties. Michael Jordan was going out one evening with the president and COO of NBA Charlotte Bobcats. And uh, as they were heading out for the evening, Michael Jordan asked him if he could borrow a jacket because it's getting colder and he didn't have one. And so Jordan went up into his closet. He said, yeah, sure, go get one out of my closet. He goes up into his closet and he sees that his friend's closet is filled with Nike apparel, which Jordan got for him, and also with Puma apparel, which the Puma rep had given to the Charlotte Bobcats president. And so Jordan who had a huge lucrative contract from Nike, um, Jordan goes through his closet and he pulls out all of the Puma apparel. And he takes all the Puma apparel and he brings it down in the living room and he dumps all the Puma apparel into a pile on the floor and then he walks into the kitchen and he grabs a large butchering knife and he just shreds the Puma apparel. And then after doing so, he gathers up all the shreds and he walks out to the garbage and he dumps them in the garbage can. And when he comes back in, he sees his friend and he says to his friend, don't let me ever see you in anything other than Nike. You can't ride the fence, man. <laughs> you can't ride the fence. And what hallowing does, hallowing gets us off the fence. Hallowing clarifies our loyalty. It clarifies for us whose team you are on. Because you can't serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other, or you're going to love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God and yourself. You can't live to exalt God and live to exalt yourself. And what hollowing does is that hollowing is an act of cutting up all of our Puma apparel, if you will. Hollowing is an act of saying that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and today, this knee bows. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the praise, of glory, praise and glory of God the Father. And today, this tongue confesses that Jesus is the name above every name. And so I am on his team. I am on your team, oh God. I am going to live for your glory, and I will hollow your name. Now, how do you do that? Let's look at a couple of practical tips. Last week, as we were beginning in this, we were looking at tips for how do you begin to pray. We mentioned that you, um, it'd be good to schedule a time to pray. Recommend early in the morning that if you've got it early in the morning, that you go to bed early enough so that you are awake early in the morning and you set aside that time. You put your phone away. You remove distractions to spend time with your Heavenly Father. Jesus teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer, which is a framework to guide us. And uh, this week in, our, in your sermon note guide, um, there is a prayer that is modeled after the Lord's Prayer by those categories. There's one last week, hopefully you picked that up. Um, one this week as well, there'll be one each week during this series of different scripture passages that are turned into prayers. Um, these come from a book that Matthew Henry wrote, and I do want to thank Risa Philby who is the one who's compiling these together for us on a weekly basis. But this is a tool for you to use so that you would learn to pray and that you would teach us to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. But how do you specifically, how do you hollow God's name? Well, it's kind of like, you know, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Is that one way to hollow God is to list out, to describe his attributes of who he is. 
There's a great picture of this in uh, um, the movie Groundhog Day. In this movie, Bill Murray uh, falls in love with a character played by Andy McDowell. And if you recall in Groundhog Day, what happens is that um, he, he has to keep living his day over until he gets it right. And so every day he wakes up until it's Groundhog Day. And so he gets to a point in the movie where he says to uh, the character that Andy's playing, and he says to her, I love you. Now, by this point in time, he has spent years watching her because the day has just been repeating over and over and over again, and she doesn't know that. And so he says to her, I love you, and she turns back to him and says, you don't love me. You don't even know me. And then suddenly he looks at her and he says, you like boats, but not the ocean. You like a lake in summer in the mountains. You're a sucker for French poetry and for rhinestones. You're very generous. You're kind to strangers and children. And when you stand in the snow, you look like an angel. And it's compelling because he doesn't just say, I love you. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But it's compelling because he's ascribing to her her beauty. And that's what hallowing is for us. It is ascribing this to God, listing out his various attributes, listing out his character, characteristics, and praying that God would make those known to the ends of the earth. So, Scripture gives a variety of passages, many, many psalms. Here's a few to start. If you want to have language to teach you how to praise God and to how to hallow his name. Another way to do that is to hallow God's name by following through each of these petitions of the Lord's Prayer and using them specifically to give God praise because they each represent some aspect of his character. And so instead of just talking about that, we are going to do that together as a church body. And so I will um, hallow God's name and ascribe him praise for different aspects of the Lord's Prayer. It'll be a time of silence. I'd invite you either to join in, to add your yeses and amens. If you want to say things out loud individually or for everybody, you're welcome to do that. But the point is that we would actually spend some time not just talking about praising God and hallowing his name, but that we would actually do this and know him more deeply and know him more intimately. So join with me as we hallow the name of our Father. Join with me in prayer. Father, thank you that you, <laughs> there I did it, Father, you are grand and glorious, Father, you are good and loving and wise, you know all things and you are worthy and you always act rightly. You are caring and compassionate, and you know each one of your children deeply, and you know them intimately. So now, hallow God as your Father.
Father, we pray that your name would be hallowed, that your name would be honored, that your name would be regarded as holy. That when, pe- hear, that when people hear your name, when they hear the word God, or they hear the word Jesus Christ, or they hear the word Christian, people would say, ooh, that is beautiful. Father, we pray that your name would be hallowed in every area of my life. That your name would be hallowed by everyone who carries the name of Christian. That your name would be hallowed and your glory would spread across this world. Father, we worship you. Your kingdom will come and your will be done. And we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth and heaven. And we praise you because you are the king eternal. You are the sovereign Lord. You are both merciful and just and all-powerful. And there is not one square inch in the entire creation that Jesus, that you do not declare, this is mine. So, Lord, we praise you that your kingdom is already here and that your kingdom is going to come in its fullness. And we praise you because you are the sovereign, almighty, all-powerful, all-loving king of the universe. Father, we praise you that you hear our prayers, that you listen to us and you always listen to us. We praise you that you are the one who gives us our daily bread. You are our provider. You are our sustainer. You are the one that holds all things together by the word of your power. You are the one who brings rain and showers the earth with it. You are the one who gives the diversity and the beauty of this world from flowers and different foods that taste differently and different people. Lord, you are our provider and the one in whom we trust.
Father, you are the great forgiver. You do not repay us as our sins deserve. You are the wound that though our sins be as scarlet, you make them white as snow. For if you, O Lord, marked iniquity, who could stand? If you, Lord, kept a record of wrongs, who could stand before you? But with you there is forgiveness. So, Father, we praise you that you are a merciful, forgiving, just, and loving God. Jesus, you taught us to pray, Father, lead us not into temptation. And we can pray that because you, Father, are the great preserver of your people. You are the protector. You are the one that shapes and directs hearts. You are the one that turns hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. You are the one that sends your spirit that we would know you, that we would desire you. And so, Father, we praise you that you send your spirit to equip your people, to strengthen your people, that you send your spirit so that we would be enabled and empowered to do by your grace through your spirit and that we, would do, that we would be able to do what you call us to do because you provide the way for us to do it through the dwelling of your spirit. So Lord, pray, we praise you. And we praise you that you are the one who protects us from all evil and the one who preserves us from temptation. And Father, we pray for your glory to extend forever and ever. That yours would be the power, that yours would be the glory, that yours would be the honor, that yours would be the strength to the ends of the earth throughout ages, forever and ever. Lord, this is what we most need is for your glory to spread. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do that. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.